Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Barney and My mom's here, Mike and Diglio. Way back in <laughs> high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I was the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Mike described our company as a baby bird to his mom. Yes, in that we just regurgitate shit into your ears every week. I really thought I could pull that that joke home, but it it didn't work. (laughs) I thought it could fly out of the nest, Keith, and it just plummeted to its death. No, no. Well, you know, fledglings don't always survive. So uh, you just plummeted to the earth to get eaten by one of our cats from Hot Cat Content. Uh, What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which uh, me and Mike, we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season eight, episode four. Blessed are they... Uh, how's it going, Mike? We have a, we're on a clock. We're going to be live on the internet in about uh, in about an hour. Yes, uh, we've made it. We've we've strived all this time to never. We, even even when we acquiesced to do video, we never wanted to do anything live because if you can't tell by listening to our podcast, we are a hot mess of a shit show. But mm-hmm. uh, we do have to get uh, peepers on our stuff. So we are doing this thing at two. We're going to be live. It's going to be awesome. In fact, I didn't know any of the details until, oh, but mere seconds ago. <laughs> so happy to, uh, we're, we're, we're actually doing this, this episode in two parts. So that's right. Uh, we're going to have this we're... first part is we're feeling good. Uh, if we sound like there's a beat shift midway, <laughs> you'll know it didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Mike, you realize uh, like we're we're on the air in like an hour and fifteen minutes on this other thing, and he's like, "Oh, what is that?" And I'm like, "It's a video <laughs> show." Wait, I'm on camera. Oh crap! <laughs> this is this is the type of organization that we yes have and, here. Yes, and Keith, I'm just gonna yes and you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, wait for it because it's live, so I can set you up for anything. Oh, uh, what what fun! So uh, yeah, lots going on here. Uh, we may be dropping some news on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up, which will be about a new venture that we're doing, which will already be out by the time this airs. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, Is that we true? have a no, that's not true. Do you understand the concept of live, Mike? Oh yeah, you're right. Well, we'll put a link because <laughs> he records them, right? Doesn't he record them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll also right. be it, it'll also be there. But but yeah, no, that's uh, oh, it's going to be, be so uh, difficult for me to remember to do. Okay. <laughs> It's Monday, which means this goes live tomorrow, which means it will have happened 24 hours prior. Uh, That's right. But nobody listens to it on the day of, except my wife. Okay, moving forward. Yes, well, you know, we've discussed the benefits of linear time uh, on true. that show. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, we'll, st- we'll stop talking around nonsense and uh, get into uh, what's going to be a jam-packed and exciting 
segment of Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Hey, Keith. W- yes. Filing and Subpoena from me. Do you know that my wife and I, last week on the podcast, I talked about this audition we went to. Well, hot damn, we booked it. Yes, so, you did. Coming out of the pandemic, this will be both, well, I mean, I've been going on cruises and stuff, but this will be the first like actual paid book full production musical that my, either my wife or I has did since uh, the pandemic. So it should be an interesting little uh, experiment, Keith. That's so exciting. I w- and, and you're doing it together, which is like even the even the best part. And you're doing uh, I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, yeah? Yes, which is a show I've done before. Jen's always wanted to do. It's a bucket list show for her. So it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. They it was kind of funny because they they called mere seconds. Literally, it felt like seconds after we left the building. Um, I ended up reading with some girls. She couldn't have been more than twenty years old. Jen was reading with these guys, and cle- the little girl says to me after, "God bless her. Her name was Lauren. She was wonderful." She says to me afterwards because she didn't know that I was gonna be bringing fire. Because as you know, Keith. Uh, Mike likes some comedy and I love some improv with a person I just met. <laughs> and I was like, I had choices made. And she was like, she did not. So God bless. She was trying to roll with it. But anyway, she's walking out and she goes, wow, it was really, I learned so much auditioning with someone so beat, beat, pr- pr- prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, girl, I have not looked at this until just now. You better start learning to make choices. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so rare that you audition with your dad. So uh... <laughs> True. Plus, I was like, oh, yeah, you're up for a cool part. My wife downstairs has Broadway credits. That should go well for you. <laughs> I didn't say that. What an asshole. <laughs> you're like literally twice her age. You yeah. could well, the, well, the ca- legitimately be her dad. I like that they're casting this cast a little older. The casting call was like 30 to 40s. And I was like, why are these p- kids showing up? But I, everybody, this is a show people want to do. So, uh, yeah, well, people want this jobs. Is, this is the new version. You know, this show was written in the early 90s. So it's, as we've seen uh, on our podcast here, it's, uh, there are some moments that are, that are dated. Got some um, work to do. Yeah. Yeah. But they've, they updated it a few years back at George Street. So this is the updated version. So hopefully it's, uh, Oh, there's a little less cringe. Nice, nice. I'd be like, look at this magical new device. It's called a cellular telephone. Well, there's one scene where I'm reading a newspaper, and even that, I'm like, who the f- who has a newspaper? People have newspapers. I mean, okay. I it it is they still exist in hard copy form. I mean, it's it's sort of for a, a certain audience. Anyway, people let's... still send letters, Keith. And speaking of letters, here we are in a segment called filings and subpoenas. Yes, we are. Let's hear what uh, some folks had to say. Well, we we heard from Scott Maupin a couple of times. Uh, first off, he says, uh, "Happy CEO, hey CEO Jen, happy birthday from Oakland, California. Hey, thank you for letting the podcast have your practice husband every week. So, if you're the practice husband, who's who's the actual husband? You know, that's a good question, and uh, God bless to him." I, well, I mean, so so is it, does that mean her second husband? You're just the practice one. Yeah, well, her second husband will be, the, will be the she'll real be one. Up by, yeah, <laughs> he, his the shoes he has to fill fill are Velcro and uh, <laughs> tattered. For bike. They're not very big. Let's be honest. No, no, but you know her expectations will be lowered. So uh, Small enjoy shoes, that. Big intellect. 
<laughs> Something like that. So, uh, Scott also uh, had to t- talk about your, your more TV. You talked about the worst neighbors in the world. And he said, Mike, what did you get me into? This worst neighbors in the world thing is maddening. I've never wanted to jump inside my TV and fight somebody like I do in episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. This is not for watching right before bed. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast. I think I did, but I'm just going to re- bring it up real quick. Episodes four and five, Scott, as I mentioned, that dude, that place in Philly, that his was his last stalking joint. My wife and I were seconds away from signing a lease in that building. Yes. Craziness. Craziness. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of our friends and neighbors, we have, guess what? A new, a brand new, fresh off the MP3 player uh, message from our good friend and moderator. Stem player? We, we, we can only play it on Kanye's stem player. I don't even know what that is because oh. I'm old. Because Keith doesn't read pop culture news. I'd read some pop culture news. I, I just don't read, you know, that much of it. Anyway, so uh, Phoenix says, this feedback is a little late because I know you guys sometimes record on Tuesdays, ep- the Tuesday episodes before the day, and it's really late because it's actual feedback on episode 802. Sorry about that. I think we can, I, I, I think our, our our mess here can handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here mm-hmm. it is. I have not listened. So uh, Phoenix, you, you might... Phoenix might be bringing the fire. I, we might regret this, but here it is. Let's listen. It is oh, I already Phoenix regret Cage. it. <laughs> Sorry, this message is late. I meant to have it to you two weeks ago, but I got thrown off by daylight savings time. Yeah, girl. I also, I couldn't just write in since any comments that I leave are no longer a matter of public record on YouTube. True. You mm. see, I didn't want to give Keith the opportunity to twist my words. I know, I know. You're going to say you never did it intentionally, but we can't forget about the time when you misread one of my messages to make it agree with you by really hard to prove omitting intent, 80% of it that explained why you were wrong. Wow. So as I mentioned, this message is a little late. <laughs> Shots As fired. I had some reactions to the podcast on episode 802 from a couple of weeks ago. But first... I'd like to wish a happy belated birthday to hey, CEO Jen. Yeah, happy birthday, Jen. Four days, you and I were the same age. Mm. Now I'm the same age as Keith and Mike. Oh, okay, no. Jen, here's another fun fact. You were born 500 years after the explorer Ferdinand Magellan. Circumnavigated the globe. like him, you did not die at the age of 41 in the Philippines after being shot by a poison arrow. Where's well, this going? <laughs> now that I'm 41, I'm hoping to dodge. We've had a bad effect myself. on his brain. <laughs> you hear that, Mike? You better not book any cruise ships to the Philippines until next year. Smart. And further congratulations on your weather spinoff podcast. In the last episode, the guys forgot about that bit. They did mention, though, that you might like someone to discuss the show with. So why don't we talk about it on Mike's? And have another spinoff podcast, the Out of Practice Podcast Podcast with Jen and Phoenix. <laughs> yes, yes. listen to Connect. that. Now, about episode eight hundred two, the chosen. The, yeah, the dumpster I fire. I like this episode more than you guys. Oh, okay. A big reason why is that there wasn't just a twist for the sake of shock value, as with almost every episode last season. 
Yeah. This one actually leads into a future plot with Eleanor going on the warpath. And that reaction to being deceived by a client is also something new. Uh, one of you said, that sounds more like a reaction that Lindsay would have. Everyone mm -hmm. else would just be dumbfounded and say, legally, there is nothing we can do. This ending was different. The ending of the previous episode was different. This is shaping up to be Season of Consequences. Hey! Now, Keith, we of said course, that, didn't we? this call wouldn't be complete unless I said you were wrong about something. I knew it was coming. So how about this? In that episode, you compared Alan Shore to Joey Herrick. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's partly my feeling that Herrick is entirely incomparable. But I do think that there are some important distinctions. Alan's sexual remarks make him seem impulsive, as does throwing his career on the grenade of Eleanor's moral dilemma in the following episode. Joey, on the other hand, is always planning seven moves ahead. Sure, they're both sarcastic, intelligent, and unethical. I'll give you that. But Joey is a psychopath. <laughs> he is not even capable of any of the empathy that we've seen from Alan in every one of his episodes so far. That fact alone puts Joey Herrick in a different category than almost all other human beings. So I'd be reticent to compare him to anyone. Okay, guys, looking forward to your next podcast this summer and the spinoff podcast podcast that Jen and I will start soon afterwards. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the uh, for the after show, 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 show. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think all of that is fair. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you're right about the empathy thing um, mm -hmm. that that Alan and, and and it is something that I think grows throughout the series and is the redemptive thing about Alan Shore is his empathy is his compassion. Um, and yes, I, I agree that he is super impulsive. Um, but I, I think, I think the comparable things are the lack of filter and the insane unearned or sort of earned confidence that they have. That's what it and is. They're, just, they're both cocksure. Like they're, they believe they're the smartest person in the room and they can get them away with literally anything. Like that's the thing. Like I, I, I understand the point about jumping on the grenade there, but it, it almost felt like he knew he could backdoor his way out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and it's and with Joey, the insane confidence comes from he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. With Alan, I think it's that, but there's also just this sort of like he thinks he's Teflon. Mm -hmm. Like he he really thinks nothing will ever stick to him. Um, and so is is that impulsive? Is that overconfident? Is it a little bit of both? I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, but I I think that there there are some parallels. Obviously, it's not a one to one, but it's a very interesting. Uh, now I will to say I, I do agree, and I believe I feel like I said, or at least wanted to have said that thus far a lot of the writing has felt like it's it is about consequence, and. Uh, that's where some of the plot lines, even though recycled, there does feel like there's more consequence involved. And I wonder if in the writer's room, or at least in David E. Kelly's mind, he knows 
that chances are good this is probably the last season of this show, regardless of the budget issues and whatnot, like, or, or at least knows that they're at risk of this being the last season. So I wonder if the writing will arc in such a way that he's you see more finality or a long final goodbye rather than the sort of rush job at the end of last season. Uh, that remains to be seen, obviously. Yep. Um, and we've been kind of, I've felt a little, you know, I've, I, he brings up a good point. I feel like I have been a little unfair thus far on, on this season. And I think a lot of that is simply emotional because I miss a lot of my characters and I feel, you know, it's like, it's like uh, your parents getting remarried and you're, or start dating again after a divorce and you're, you're sort of feeling out the new person and you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. And, there, and there's sort of like the element of betrayal, whether it's like mm-hmm. we got betrayed or the cast got betrayed or whatever. And it, I don't think it really was that, but you sort yeah. of emotionally, it's understandable to, to feel that way. And I really just want to see, you know, the Sharon Stone character uh, differentiate a little bit more than the, the Alan Shore. They feel a little similar. And also I want her to feel a little more grounded, but I also have to kind of let that arc play out. It feels like that's, it's gonna be it's it's a short arc because they haven't put her into the credits. So I imagine it's not a it's not a permanent thing, but but I don't know per se. Anyway, thanks, well, Phoenix. It's good to hear from you. It's good to hear your voice again. Thank you for the uh for putting Keith in his place where he belongs. And for saying happy birthday to your wife. Yeah, that too. We by the way, we had a great birthday. We we escaped to the cab to a cabin and just hung out and and uh, it was a good time. Nice. Very nice. All right. Well, if you know, folks would like to uh, talk to us more about those things, Mike, how would they do that? Guys, lots you can do. You can uh, send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can also throw us a uh, a uh, like or subscribe on the YouTube, uh, the KME Entertainment. I don't, I don't even know how you get there. Just search for it because we're going to have other stuff coming up and we could use your patronage. Uh, speaking of patronage, that's going to be the way to help us out in the future. We'll get to that when we get to it. But in the meantime, send an email and uh, like or subscribe. Or if even better, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, still helps even this late in the game. Uh, thanks so much. Keith. Yes. Yes. Do we, have more, do we have more in this segment or no? No, that's it. We're we are packing up the mailbag. Quickly drop me that more TV aggressive uh, bumper. I got one thing to mention. You know, we're on the air in less than Keith? an hour. We don't have time for a more Keith, TV. I, I just got congratulated on one of them. Hey, do you like my hot recommendations that piss you off? Yes. Clearly Scott does. I got another one for you. Check it out. It's a two-part documentary series, one hour each, so it's two hours all in. It's called Undercurrent. It's on HBO. And I can give you the, the summarization this quickly. You've got an intrepid, young, promising freelance reporter. She's doing a piece on this guy who's a Elon Musk type in some ways. He's an entrepreneur, inventor, a brain guy who builds his own rocket and builds his, built his own submarine. Uh, he, she's doing a piece on him. They go out on the submarine together. The submarine comes back, quickly sinks. Only one of them escapes, and it's about the crime and the trial it's called undercurrent on hbo it is intense it is angering and it is 
really great documentary. So check it out. That's my hot recommendation. Ooh, it's a documentary. Okay, yes. that's yes, it. Yes. That's a that's a cool setup for a documentary. Okay, all right. Well, fair enough. That's uh, that sounds great. You know what else sounds great, Mike? What's that? Hopping into the time machine. Mm. Because everybody loves the time machine. And uh, today, we are going back to October 19th, the year 2003. And it is time to answer the question. This day in the basement. That wasn't a question. That wasn't a question at all, no. What's the date again? Answer the statement. October 19th, the year Mm -hmm. 2003. Oh, Keith, I got a good one. And this one actually yes. goes right to a conversation that I, we had, I had offline with Phoenix, actually, back in the, back in the day, in the early days. Um, you know, I've talked, I think, on the episode, maybe not before, that one of the things that really changed me in a lot of ways was uh, my recreational-turned-medicinal use of marijuana, uh, I used to be, my anxiety level used to be even higher than it is uh, currently, and I had a pretty bad temper and a lot of OCD uh, tendencies and uh, problems. And those things followed me in life. Uh, You know, some some behavioral therapy helped when I was younger, but I didn't really find my sort of zen until I started smoking or using marijuana, and that took place... Uh, thanks to a good friend, Eric Hogan and John Smiley, who I did Forever Plaid with in Rochester, right around the first fall of our uh, stint in uh, Rochester, which was uh, now. So I had, you know, I actually have a couple of buddies currently who I have encouraged over the years that they might want to try this for certain things that uh, anxiety-based issues. And I said, it's always good with any sort of recreational exploration to do so with a good group of friends who don't put you in a peer pressure situation in a very like controlled, calm uh, scenario setting with people you trust. And that was what I was afforded here. Even though I'd grown up in a in a, a house and a community with a group of friends who were very straight, we didn't even drink in high school. Uh, there was kind of, and my brother, God bless him, was very straight edged and kind of used uh you know, there, there was a lot. There was a lot of you know um, misattributed scorn to uh, stoners and 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 whatnot. Anyway, long story short, we after our show one weekend we had a long weekend and they had talked about it and they had been smoking kind of all along. I hadn't really and and it just we they put on uh, that Boston record. It was and we just kind of I had my first bowl I ever smoked and since then. It has become a major part of my life. I never went through the phase where I was like smoking all day every day. I have always been I always been a very small user, but uh, to this very day, uh, it is my medicine, and uh, I'm glad that the country slowly is recognizing its therapeutic value and not just sort of uh, trying to keep it in prohibition for just bullshit reasons. Anyway, that's what I was doing this day in the Rochester basement. Yeah, well, I'll I'll just I'll briefly point out that you know I it's 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 not it's not my thing. I I sort of like was have always been like the straight edge guy, mainly because I was raised by a father who was like super hardcore, mm. anti, and like terrifyingly so. Uh, cut to thirty years later, uh, my entire family, my uncles, my aunts, <laughs> my father, but they are all. Not so much smoking it, but growing it. Because in Vermont, mm-hmm. it's like now perfectly legal. And so 
all of a sudden, I go over my my father, who I I thought might physically murder me if he like <laughs> would would have discovered a joint in high school. He's like, yeah, man, I got the new buds, and I got I've got this one, I got a sativa going on, and I've got a tincture. This uh, I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'm so confusing. Uh, but there it is. So we are we are all progressing in our own various ways. And let me tell you what I was progressing with. In October of 2003, I found an email where I officially announced that I had lost 50 pounds. Wow. Uh, because this was uh, at, well, actually because we were probably nearing the auditions for the tour. And I was an actor at that point and becoming, you know, I, I, I started out looking like I do now. And I was like, no, I need to be thinner. So I lost uh, more than 50 pounds. But at this point, I had lost 50 pounds. And that was, uh, yeah, and we talked about it before. The, the the secret to losing 50 pounds is B23. So uh, Well, it's, it's I, definitely a catalyst, I'll say that. I highly recommend, if you would like to lose a great deal of weight, B23. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I was, I think at my lightest, I was down in the 160s, which wow. is... Uh, ridiculous. I was, was probably unhealthy at that point, but uh, that's what it live was. Now I live at like one sixty three, one sixty five. I do not. <laughs> I got down to one thirty eight was the lowest I got, and that was like I was can't. the 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 bakery that was near me asked if they could start a collection because they thought I had cancer, and I was like, mm, "This I have to reassess." <laughs> one thirty eight. Good lord, my left leg is one thirty eight. Anyway, so uh, so yeah. Hey, look, it's uh. It was a thing that I did, and uh, when you see footage from uh, Titanic at some point, you will be like, oh my god, what happened to that guy? Well, he lost 50 pounds because he was 23. You know, you, you want to know, uh, we know what happened to that guy, but what happened? It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, let me tell you, in October, we were still listening to Baby Boy, Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Who are we listening to today? Oh, this is Baby Boy, the metal cover by Leo Mokalali, featuring Lillian Keith. You can check them out at Frog Leap Studios on the internet YouTubes. Frog Leap Studios. Thanks for your metal cover. Okay, very cool. The Burlington Free Press talked uh, the FDA questions cities Canadian drug purchases because they were uh, buying drugs from Canada because the uh, prices were ridiculous. And, you know, we fixed that, right? The drug prices are now yeah, reasonable, and they're not like that. wildly cheaper everywhere but here. No, we didn't. We didn't fix that. I could have sworn we'd we done didn't that. Fix it, no. But I will tell you, uh, if you felt a little frustrated about all of that, you're like, hey, I want to just you know work through some stuff. You could go see the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, starring Jessica Biel and Art Lee Emery. That's very well timed. Who's killing who? What's wrong with you people? Oh, my, 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 my. Mike, did you watch the uh, the Texas Chainsaw series? I did. I remember seeing this one in the theaters with my boys, with my, my Forever Plaid boys. And uh, got to be honest with you, Keith, as I mentioned before, I just started smoking marijuana, so I don't remember much of oh, what that's, happened. It's pro probably, probably not a good one. Yeah. That's, uh, it was Michael Bay, though, right? 
Yes, he produced it. He didn't direct it, but he did produce it. Yeah, I mean, the the original Texas Chainsaw is just such an iconic and like the first time the first time you see that one, it, it is like oh my god. Mm-hmm. But that series has had so many interesting levels because you you know you have the first one, which is the the scary, horrifying like it just you your body feels how awful the first one is. Then the second one's a comedy. I don't uh, remember that at all. Yes, no, I think it was Canon Films did it, and it was still Toby Hooper, but it um, uh, it, it basically veered into like it became so over the top and silly. Um, but uh, and then the third, and then this had tons of all these stars. Viggo Mortensen was in the third one, and Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger were in the fourth one. Um, and like the. You know, before they were stars, this wasn't like they were doing stunt casting. So, anyway, really crazy, uh, crazy fun series. If that is your thing, uh, so I've seen them all. Don't worry. But uh, you want to know what else we saw, Mike? It's time. It's time for sports. sports. The New York Football Giants and the Philadelphia Football Eagles have come to a head. And it was a heartbreaker for the New York football Giants. The Giants held a 10-7 lead until 1-16 remained in the fourth quarter when Brian Westbrook returned to punt for 84 yards and the winning score. Jeremy Shockey caught a touchdown for the Giants. Westbrook also scored in the first quarter. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. Keith, Keith, yeah. I'm getting yes. breaking news in. Yeah, what's you thought, that? Just when you thought it was safe to come back to the podcast, mm. I am officially here to announce, Keith. What's that? That the Oopsie Awards have now reintroduced the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady as Tom Brady has officially come out of retirement and will return to the Bucks in the 2022 season. So the Out of Practice Podcast will finish their podcast run. By bringing back the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is out of retirement. No! I know I can hear myself, my Photoshop fingers. I can hear Phoenix crying into the sky. But no, Tom Brady is back. 45 Uh, years old. uh, Oh, God, I can't believe it. In the NFL. I can't walk up the steps. Without being winded. No. I never could. Oh. <laughs> that's such bad news. Photoshop such... it back. At least you got three episodes off. I got three off. That's true. <laughs> he couldn't uh... even wait to announce till later, so you could have escaped a and little we bit know, more. You know he's going to Brett Favre this whole thing. He's going to retire and unretire like six more times. This is just yeah. the beginning of the process. All well, right. maybe he'll take I'm a, a hit. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are talking about season eight, episode four, Blessed Are They, written by series creator David E. Kelly and directed by a new director. And this is his only episode of The Practice. His name is Simon Curtis. Uh, But you would also know that he directed episodes of Tracy Takes On, David Copperfield, Downton Abbey, A New Era, and and Downton Abbey, A New Era. You know there's a new era of Downton Abbey coming out next year? Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Okay, so uh, I think it's time. <laughs> like Mike was just like that. That was a a a no. It wasn't a yes and. That was a no but. My journey with Downton Abbey was tough because in the beginning I was like, Jen, please no, this is so boring. I have no interest. And then like after three episodes, I was like, oh, God damn it, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. And then everything happened and it kept happening. And then I jumped off because I was like, hell no. And then the movie happened. Jen was like, please, can we go see the movie? And we had a fight about it. Actually, oh, I no. Know. I don't know if it was like a long fight, but we ended up not going to see it. And then now what's going to happen, Keith? See, that's why go- you're a practice husband. Do I have to go back in? Do I have to go back into Downton Abbey? You. How just... many more sisters can die? I I don't know. I've never seen it. So. Oh, well, I... spoiler alert: all the sisters die. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that wasn't a spoiler enough, it's time for Mike to spoil this coming episode in a segment we call. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Hey, does can Jimmy get an episode? Anyway, guys, blessed are the get here's what's gonna happen, Keith. Let me just break it down for you. Okay. All right. Break it down. Break it down. I think they brought in Sharon Stone. They were like, you know what? She's gonna win us an Emmy for season eight it's gonna be great big bang boom but here's the problem keith Mm. it it hasn't been going as well as they thought so in this episode they are going to defend their dude who killed who did the the achy breaky heart or the iffy diffy shake or what was the song (laughs) (laughs) it's the hippie hippie shake no it was was the peppermint twist Uh, yes yes the peppermint twist the the hippie hippie shake (laughs) i'm so sad So okay, so, so I have two questions. One, uh, I, this is—it's it, really sad that this uh, is not a video podcast anymore because Mike would definitely be doing the hippie hippie shake. But but here's the thing: you know, is, have to is, stand up. Is, is this a like shake your hips or is this like you know Dude, some like some like jobless draft dodger? You shaking? think I'm kidding? You Google right hippies. now. I believe the hippie hippie shake is a real song. <laughs> is that really all right? Yeah. Hold on. You're, all right, you're so giving me as, shit, but. All right, so you continue the thing. I'm going to look up the hippie hippie shake. Or something like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hippie hippie shake. Um, so Sharon Stone is going to go full Jesus. She's going to lose her shit fully this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to end in the practice firing her. And then she. And it's the I, Beatles. I, I take it back. I take it. <laughs> now this you have to do the hippie hippie jeans. shake for just me. Oh, that sounded like. <laughs> you know what? I take that back. Uh, this is why you're a practice husband. Before the show today, I had to, I have to tell everybody this now. Before the show, while we were getting set up, my mom walked in because she's visiting, and I introduced her to Keith, who she's met before. She's like, "How would I know him?" And I was like, "Well, we you know I've known him for twenty years, and we did that show that you came to see us in, and we had to kiss, and then I lived with him." And she's like, "I don't remember," and walked out. <laughs> Keith's mom sends me love notes. My That's mom, true. My mom doesn't even remember Keith. Oh, to be oh fair, no. she doesn't listen to the show or any podcast for that matter. She just watches YouTube videos of chimpanzees being treated like babies. It's very bizarre. Anyhow, Sharon Stone goes full, full crazy. 
uh, ends up getting fired and then comes with a vendetta towards the office and becomes the main antagonist of the season. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what happens. Beats, or as we call it, as we call it in the biz, Keith, a heel turn. A heel turn. Uh, Yes, indeed. All right. Well, then uh, now it's time to stay right where you are and listen to us, listen to the episode. But, you know, Mike and I are going to do an episode of another show before we do that. Craziness. uh, Well, uh, I'll let you, you, you go ahead. In fact, if you want, pause the episode here. Check out the show notes, go watch that, and then come back, and it'll be like a time-space continuum situation. You, you will have spent the the afternoon exactly the way we did. Yeah, and probably gotten paid more. Uh, no question you would have gotten paid more. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I could imagine many things in your life that are better. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, all right. We will uh, see you back then soon. Hey, that interview didn't go so bad, so I'll put the link in the show notes because... Because... But we have work to do today. Mike didn't say anything embarrassing. That's what this next segment's for. Season eight, episode four. Oh, I don't. I have no idea what this episode is called. Hold on. Blessed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Blessed are they. Maybe. Oh yes, we just did the peppermint twist. Yes. We discovered some dead folks. Woo! This is some very dead people. Very dead. Very dead. What do you mean? Certainly don't think that I did it. Miss Wilson, when you entered this room, they were. She lost her chill a little bit. Like that. Ooh. That's oh, gracious Lord, we crime beseech of, you. Crime of passion. Remember not against them the sins of their youth and of their ignorances. Our Father who art in heaven, help you. So Sharon Stone and Ken Hudson Campbell. He's in a bit of a daze, Eugene. And so is Sheila, for that matter. I mean, I really don't know what you to do. You think you're paralegal? I'm almost there. Do not let him speak to anybody. Stay in the den till I arrive. Well, I think we need to get him to a doctor. Well, well, actually, maybe both of them. Stay there. Okay. Keith, could this be the event that makes Sharon Stone go totally batshit, which is what I predicted? Uh-oh. Roland, look at me. In a moment, Eugene Young will be here, and he is very good at this sort of thing. I don't want to go to jail. I can appreciate that. This is wrong, Tara. I called you here to help me, and you called the police. That's not what I asked you to do. Roland, Uh you shot two people. I don't want to go to jail. A little help. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who hunger. I don't want to go to jail. Sharon Stone is losing it. I don't want to go to jail. Jail, 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 jail. Excellent. Okay, well, you know, uh, Mike, your prediction has been pretty solid so far. They really gave Sharon Stone some snappy going crazy dialogue. 
they they sure did. I, I don't know. I feel like there there might be a song here that would work well over the credits that's appropriate to it. Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Jail, 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 jail. Peppermint twist. Peppermint jail. Yeah. Dude, I would be into Peppermint Jail. <laughs> would that be your jail name, Peppermint? We had a licking escape. Crazy how? Mumbling prayers. She he totally sucked his way Adam. free. Eugene wants us in. Boo. Let's keep this between us, okay? Well, too late because Eugene witnessed some of it when he got there. Splendid. Okay, we got Roland Huff's arraignment at 10. I'll take that. Tara, since you seem to have some dialogue with the man, maybe you should come with me. Uh, in regard to Jeanette Martin, what's that? Mine. My cousin. She's a nun. Suing her parish for wrongful termination. I said I'd help. Why'd they fire her? She's pregnant. It's a dog, I know. Reminder. Wait, but she's pregnant with take a dog? Or not or... Be run no, I'll me. get rid she's of She's a pregnant it. nun. Oh, okay. Although I have to say, this would save us a lot of bullshit, Keith. If we just had mm. this meeting at the top of every episode where they go around the table and everybody tells them exactly what their case is, beat for beat, it feels good. Yeah. You all right? Fine. Thank you for asking. Clients blasted two people last night, perhaps you heard. Yes, we spoke after. You really okay? I'm fine. In criminal law, clients turn out to be criminals on occasion. Funny thing. Alan, maybe you and I need to get together after this. Boom! And... Well, I mean, I wasn't there when the shooting happened, you know, but I imagine it sounded something like that. Boom! Right in the chest. Piss-ass crap! He also did the boom thing. We can't let her practice. Work is her best conduit to sanity. She's in there going boom. <laughs> yes, indeed. She is in there going... Going. So Steve Harris is like, hey, I uh, I just had a couple questions about this uh, dialogue. You want me to she's say she's no in there going boom? Alan, we can't wait for that to happen. Don't yeah, give her Yeah, cases. we just want to really highlight Please that as a thing that's happening on the show. Away, especially since this She just left. Who? Sheila. To cover Roland's arraignment. Oh, come on. One tiny little mistake. Jimmy? The nun is Shannon Nelson. Uh, could you cover the phones until I get back? Can I cover the phones? Do I look like an assistant? The kind we hire, yes. Eleanor. Hey, Walter. Got a minute? Sure. Hold on. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Whee! We're going to hear a couple of bumpers, I think. Folks, this is the culmination. The culmination of a legendary streak that I do not believe is matched on the practice. An unprecedented streak because, uh, you know, we're seeing Greg Itzen on the stage uh, here. And Mike, how many times do you imagine that we have seen him before? If I'm not mistaken, Keith, the last time we saw him was his third appearance, fourth appearance, perhaps. So we're at least four, maybe five. 
This is Gregory Itson's fifth character on the practice. We don't have a bumper for that. We don't even know what to do with that. But let me just run down. He was attorney Al Daly in Save the Mule. He was Michael Stanfield in Liberty Bells. He was David Anderson in Judge Not. He was Mark Grundle in Down the Hatch. And now he is Walter Pine. <clears throat> so I think to give this the commemoration it deserves, mm. you get both bumpers at the same time. Oh, I can't do both at the same Wait, time. Wait, I got it. I got it. I got a better idea. Oh, what's your better idea? Emma, your better idea is I'm going to give you uh, a, a somewhat performance of it <clears throat> mm -hmm. in that crazy voice that broke my vocal cords the first time. Oh, great. You're not, you're not supposed to know this that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals banging at your, banging at your, at your door. <laughs> at first you were a killer, but then you said free and you didn't do a thing. And then you did a three and then even four and maybe five appearances. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Wow. Well, that was about as incoherent as both bumpers at the same time, so we'll take it. What's I up? will accept the evidence, Your Honor. I now represent Brad Stanfield. Excuse oh, Chris me? O'Donnell? He just retained me. Wow. I'm surprised he could afford you. Well, I asked for the case. What Alan Shore did here was unconscionable, and I know you share that view, which is why I've come to ask you to join me. Wow. I've brought a motion to suppress Mr. Shore's statement, as well as the ensuing statement from Mr. Stanfield's daughter, on a poison fruits theory. Can I count on you? Keith, I told a poison fruit story once about my uh, colleague no, shitting his pants on the top of the show. This puts me in a very difficult position. I realize that you with did. Mr. Shore working oh, here. Good memories. But at your core, you're a defense attorney. And this so whole thing has to shock your conscience, as it does mine. Walter, you had a bad peach and you shit your pants and now we're on the I'm embarrassed to today. admit this, but I'm afraid of him. Afraid of him? Look, Alan Shore had a technical right to reveal what he did. Plus, his conduct wasn't state action. How can you bring a motion to suppress? I'm not here to argue the merits with you. I'm appealing to a fellow defense attorney, a fellow civil libertarian and asking you to, to stand up against what you know was a constitutional atrocity. Wow. And I've played every type of attorney, judge, and out. random person. I'm taking no, part in a casting catastrophe. I'm his lawyer. You're also a potential witness. I didn't see anything. Sheila. I didn't even hear the boom. This is a double murder trial. It's best to let Eugene handle Why? it. Your experience in criminal law is limited. Commonwealth versus Roland Huff. Double homicide. Eugene Young for the defendant. Wave reading. Plead not guilty. It's my first criminal. Let I'll Eugene Roland Huff and Huff. Sheila. And defendant is ordered your house bail. Down. Does defense want a preliminary hearing? Yes, Your Honor. Uh, November 7th. We have a new Judge Harold Wallace, played by Ron McClarty, who uh, 
if you're secret, uh, if you secretly like a bad movie, uh, then you might know him from The Postman. If you secretly like a legendarily bad television show, you might know him from Cop Rock or Spencer for Hire. Next case, please. I'll recall John Doe. We're still waiting for a public defender on that. You need to get me out. We'll see you back in custody. Continue to say nothing to anybody. Come on. I want to play a stenographer. Holy crap. What happened to this guy? He got his ass beat. Mr. Shore. Mr. Anti- Guy who got his ass beat. Guy who walked into the makeup trailer and had no idea what he was in for. He was in for a whole morning is what he was in for. (laughs) It is Alex Carter, who you know from the island, out of time, CSI, burn notice, Rin Tin Tin, or and Rin Tin Tin Canine Cop. And nominated for the Emmy Award for Most Purple Face. Trust lawyer, I'm drafting you into the world of pro bono law. Excuse me? Meet your new client, John Doe. Your Honor, I'm here on another matter. Yeah, well, now you're here on this one. See Mr. Doe in lockup, then let's talk. Next case, please. Truth be told, Alan Shore is definitely pro bono. I can do it. No. Sheila, go back to the office. I'll see you there. What have we got? Indecent exposure. He cleans toilets at the Transportation Authority, then gratifies himself. A lot of I'm beaten off in this, in this Three, two, season. one, six, Commonwealth versus Mitchell Penner. Felony count of mishandling a corpse. Here's the file. Uh, that's also mine, Your Honor. Did you say mishandling that a corpse? That ADA is played the by Jason The defendant is Brooks? a taxidermist. Police received a report from one of his employees that he was stuffing a human head. Now, and that this could develop into a murder case, we'd ask that Mr. Penner be held without bail. Are you represented, sir? No. I can't really afford a lawyer. Sheila Carlisle, Your oh, Honor, I'll do God. it. good God. Your God. If the Commonwealth wishes to charge murder, <laughs> let them do so. But to hold my client without bail on, what is it? Felony head stuffing? Sheila. One second. I'm not sure a law has even been broken here. Sheila. Massachusetts requires all bodies and portions thereof to be buried, entombed, or cremated. The law also allows that citizens may will their body parts to family members or learning institutes for study. I refer you to MGLA. 113, Section 10. You're talking about organ donation. No, you are. The language is silent on that, suggesting a conflict of legislative intent over whether or not the living may determine how their bodies are used after death. There's no conflict. I'd also call your honor's attention to a Pennsylvania case, Commonwealth versus Brown, where a defendant invoked the First Amendment, claiming he was using body remains as art. Whose head was it, Mr. Penner? Don't answer that. Counsel? If he doesn't answer, I'm not granting him bail. Surely your honor doesn't mean to leverage bail against my client's Fifth Amendment rights. He won't even tell us where the head is, your honor. Mr. Penner stays in custody until he reveals whose head it is and where it is. Hey, Keith, I thought that judge was only getting one line, but apparently he was just getting McCarted. You know know what your punishment is for that? (laughs) What's that? Okay, so he, he was the star of Cop Rock. Uh-huh. So I'm going to need you to perform uh, his motion there as a character in Cop Rock. Uh, I'm a judge on the stand and I demand that we get some pro bono lawyers. 
too much lunch and now I'm feeling farty and my actor name is something McCarty and Mike's <laughs> gonna stop now cause he's run out of funny stuff to say hey cop rock <laughs> fabulous well done well done the police <clears throat> beat you up I just heard my yes. mom from the other room saying what the hell is he doing <laughs> who are you sir <laughs> never mind that you tell them if they don't drop the charges I'll file a brutality claim I'm not sure that's a winner you need to get me out Mr. Doe, I can probably get you released, but not without your identity. Well, they ran my prints. They know I have no record. Even so, given your infraction. Please, get me out. I started getting very angry feelings once she told me. She told me. Keith, we have a mid-episode CEO Gen question. Uh, I, oh. I don't think it's related to the podcast, so this oh, could be Oh, let's hear it. My mom wants to watch Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. But uh, unclear of what the password is. I oh. believe Paramount Plus is the one your mom gave us. She wants to watch Picard. Yeah, so uh, I guess you're going to have to Paramount Plus it. You have to, Jen, you can watch it. On, it's, we're signed in on the Shield, just not on. I, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks. Wow. Well, you know what, Keith? It's okay because since Jen's the only one who listens to the podcast, it's probably fine that, that we took, that's, we took that's that true. time. My children weren't really Jen gone. didn't know the password. Then I started feeling Even funny. though it was her mom that gave it to us. I didn't like us. how I was feeling at all. I want to okay. watch Barry. First thing we're going to have you meet some doctors. The most logical. I don't like it when I feel like that. Roland, listen to me here. The password is theft. The likelihood is that we'll plead insanity. The they password, I'm surprised it's not my account. Can. But it's very important that you don't talk to anybody but us and the people we say it's okay to talk to. And we're in it for the long haul here, but we have good legal options. Do not compromise them by speaking to anybody, not even fellow prisoners, who might seem sympathetic. Are you clear? Crystal. I still love her, you know. Dude, she did. I shot her. But I love her. In fact, some would say I love her more now. Hmm. The phrase you don't ever really want to say. She took a case. She ran up and got herself appointed, Eugene. I couldn't stop her. What do you mean you couldn't stop her? Why? The judge assigned me a case. While I was dealing with that, she dashed up and got one of her own. What kind of case? That rascal. Mishandling a corpse. She was surprisingly current on the law, by the way, which... And what's your case? Serial toilet cleaner. Jimmy, are you free to back Sheila? Actually, no, I have a settlement conference. Jimmy. Can't. I have a 12 o'clock meeting with a mother superior. Tara. Me? Uh-huh. How crazy is she? Well, in the courtroom, she's been nothing short of brilliant. But seeing dead bodies can rattle a person, especially if you feel somewhat responsible. And why would she feel responsible? Because Roland was dropping little clues about his anger, and it's possible that we should have seen it coming. I don't know if I agree with that. It might have pushed Sheila over the edge. I mean, there's and no way we saw it coming. And how it was you a peppermint with? twist. Me? I'm fine. 
Beep. Uh, young, fresh, and blue Please hold. Jamie, do you mind taking calls if they're for you? You know, you and I are gonna need to steal a little private time. I'd love that. We needed animosity for no reason at all. That you've broken three separate laws, They can't prove it was a human head. It's the word of one disgruntled employee. Was it human? Define so this human head guy is Brian you can tell me Mulligan. I'm your lawyer. Also from Armageddon with Ken Hudson. Are we Campbell. dealing with a human head here? You know, you had me at Armageddon, but apparently he's been Arma beheaden. Yes. Wow. That okay. statement had a deep impact and can we roll on me. Out foul play? She died of a coronary. I have the death certificate. Which it's is the superior mother. of those two films, fight me. How'd you get your mother's head? I dug her up. Why? Because I don't think it honors a person to stick her head in dirt. If I tell them it's my mother, they'll find her and take her away. And where is she? Yo, we're going Norman Bates again, aren't we? A little bit. She's mounted on the wall. Oh, okay. They're gonna get I'm, a warrant, Mitchell. My mom's in the other room, so. It's only a matter of time I... before they find her. Then you no, need you to know, help me. Still time. Her head is all I have left of her. Please don't let them take her away from me. Please. Look, I'd love to help you, but I can't let the guy go if I don't even know his identity. You know, I asked that guy out to lunch. He told me he'd love to, but he's got stuff and to do. No. <laughs> we need his name, and you know that. Uh, this episode no. also called Crime and Pun. Then they're going to hold you. Indefinitely? Look, this yes. guy's makeup is crazy. I have a family. Kids. They're going to think I I'm mean, dead or something. Why don't you Technically, call I bet. I mean, bruising. <sighs> Look, very much like Tom Brady, Keith. Look. At his advanced age, one shot to the Tell head, you're and next. you're going to bruise like that. That stays privileged. That's true. I'll get probation to run it under the pretext I'm looking for something else. And if you don't have a record, I don't. Maybe I can go to the Is DA. Is this the guy who pleasures himself? Well, that would be the challenge. Well, after cleaning toilets. But yes. it's certainly worth a try. John, or whatever your name is, for me to help you, you have to trust me. To be fair, I mean, have you seen a toilet? My name is Russell Fosterling. Sexy. I'm an investment banker. One of considerable prestige. Mr. Fosterling, why do you like to clean toilets? I just I like to clean. I don't know why Keith played that bumper, but it kind of fits. Cause this storyline is the pits. He likes to clean his toilet and empty his drain if you catch my drift. Mike's on fire today. <laughs> no. I did it to myself. I was so ashamed wanted to make myself unrecognizable at arraignment. 
though he knocked his own ass out? I'm begging yeah. you. Mr. Shore, please, get me out before... My life will be over if this becomes public. Please. Very good actor. Yeah. Walter Pine is representing him? Yes. Motion to suppress this isn't state action. That's what I said. You don't actually think he could get out, do you? Eleanor, even if he's not a danger to you. Why is Eleanor asking that question? She knows better than anybody. He said that he would be walking away like he knew it, that it was the beginning, that we were in each other's lives. It just shot through me. Eleanor, he's not getting out. You think you're funny. Well, I amuse myself, Dara, but I'll... Don't amuse yourself at my desk, Alan. What's going on? He downloaded some sexually deviant website and left it there for me to see. It's part of a file, and it's research. Research? Yes, on a case. I didn't mean to leave it there for you to see. Well, then you why can't you do it at your own desk? Websites. Because my desk is across town in a corner office with a spectacular view. And besides, I like your desk. So for those of you it's not paying research. close attention, correct me if I'm wrong, he downloaded porn on her computer. Sure did. Sure did. To be fair, it was part of well, the, uh, the case. But it wasn't his computer. I mean, that's what I'm doing the case on, Keith. I have a case. I'm researching a case, Keith. A lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A lot You seem wild a little tight. Before this, you were going after Jamie. Why, is she off limits? You saw two homicide victims last night. I'm fine. Yeah, I know you're fine. I know all about being fine. When I was a private detective, I saw a lot of gruesome stuff, and the only constant was that I was fine. Did we know that? Did we know? Okay. Keith and I are the same person. Take my word on that. Now, you have a support system in this office. I hope you know that. In fact, we started a charitable fund. It's called the Bobby Donald I'm Thank Okay, you. But I'm Not Really Okay Fund. I'd I like to keep you on Roland's case. Do you think you're up to it? I will say, I am so grateful to see good boss, competent Eugene back. Yeah, that's nice. Because that, that was a really good interaction. He's like, you know, he, he's like, look, you have a support system. We're here for you. And I, I, I see and clock that you went through a traumatic experience and I want to say that we're here for you. And that is like, yeah, that's the Eugene that I'm expecting to take over. So you can as, recuse as me as a witness? Firm. No, because I can use you. Do you think you're up to it? Yes, I was born for it. Thank you. My very specific dialect, dialect work. What was that about? It was about Tara. You need something? No, he's gonna be a dick. No, that's not no. being a dick. That's being a good boss. It's none of her damn business. That's called boundary. Boundary. Clearly, Eugene. good job. You and you have you and I have drawn a line, and we stand up on opposing sides of it. That's right. It's none of her damn business. You can have Lara Croft, and I'm standing with. My girl. 
So Sharon Stone going into the house of perhaps the dude who mounted his mother's head on the wall. <laughs> I'm just watching Mike's face. Yep, her head is indeed mounted on the wall. Well, there you have it, folks. If you expected me to creatively come up with the Tom Brady later, uh, it's not going to be creative, and it's not going to be later. It's going to be right now, and it's mm -hmm. Tom Brady's head mounted on the wall within the episode of The Practice. With Sharon Stone staring chewing at it lovingly. The, chewing the scenery into oblivion you know with her, her face. I do. I've known her all my life. What's more, she just came to me again two nights ago. Eugene? What's wrong? Oh, nothing. Everything's wonderful. The head stuffed by Sheila's taxidermist client is actually the head of St. Catherine. St. Catherine. A saint that has been visiting Sheila much of her life. She recognized it you saw the head yes and we cannot let her fall into the hands of the state she's in your office what do you mean she's in my office the head is in my office yeah. i'm sorry but it was the environment with the highest stature at least in this firm where i'd like this. to maintain her she'll watch over us eugene she can watch over all of us you would allow you this full woman court to keep cost, practicing law. So it goes and, on my record. Not, no, nor yes. does she even work the there. The DA has agreed to make a joint recommendation absurd. that the conviction be sealed. The judge still has to approve, but... I have to give the DA my name. Yes. You committed a crime. You have to have a record. But it'll be sealed. As long as you don't commit another crime, it'll stay sealed. Mr. Fosterling, it is your best out. It's also the very best I can do. My face. What will I tell people? That you were mugged. Or in an accident and hospitalized. Whatever you want to tell them. Ah, I apologize. Hello. What? Whose head? For double jeopardy to be undone here is ludicrous. So far, Attorney I mean, the Alan's privilege is the oldest of all common law privileges. Mr. Pine is ignoring Rule 1.6B1. Yeah. One which allows episode. disclosure of privileged information to it's prevent like the wrongful incarceration of another. In this case... I don't ignore it. I say it doesn't apply. Rule 1.6B1. This man killed his pregnant wife and then... I object to that button being pushed as if it were a point of law. And while we're talking about fraud, Your Honor, Mr. Stanfield may very well have duped his lawyer and all the players in his trial, but Alan Shore defrauded our criminal justice system, a much more egregious transgression. Mr. Stanfield orchestrated a mistrial. He played his attorneys to approach the judge as officers of the court. He used them as conduits to defraud the system Mr. Pine holds so dear. Brad Stanfield walked free as a double murderer while his 10-year-old daughter was put in jail. And since Alan Shore didn't like that, he said, to hell with the rules, to hell with attorney-client privilege. Didn't we do this last if episode? If this court says okay to that, the Sixth Amendment right to counsel is obliterated. Yeah. It's like an appeal. Mr. Stanfield, stand up. I want to know exactly what you said to Ms. Frupp. 
Forgive me, Your Honor, but privilege may not extend to what I say to you in open court. You seem to be quite savvy on the law, sir. I certainly understand the Sixth Amendment, and I relied on it when talking to Eleanor Frutt. Did you rely on Ms. Frutt to act as an officer of the court to help carry out your fraud? I relied on her to uphold the law to her best ability, as I rely on you to do so now. Where is she? Eugene's office with her shrine. Alan, I'm on it. Sheila? Look at her, Alan. Isn't she incredible? They're like, we paid a lot of money for this prop, so we're going to show it in every goddamn shot. When I was mm -hmm. a very young girl, three quarters of the budget. she used to hit. come to me in visions. She used to give me advice and watch over me. Somewhere Dylan's like, that's my salary. And she went away. <laughs> three years ago, she appeared to be To be fair, it does again. look pretty good. Oh. As fake Her name's go. Catherine. She's the same. A fake head that's been taxidermied. She lets mm -hmm. a head. She looks at home in this room. Doesn't she it's better look better than Hinks's head? At least they're giving us serious scoring to tell us that this is a serious mental health issue. Okay. Visions and wanderings, headless, completely aside. MGLA chapter 114, section 43M does not permit her display here. Plus, you have a client in custody who I believe needs this as evidence. The to complainant witness ID my client's deceased mother. The death certificate confirmed natural causes. My client was cleared of homicide. We paid the fine, pled guilty, accepted probation. He's home, happy his mother is in a place of honor. But you're committing a crime now. Technically, I'm studying her, pursuant to Chapter 113, Section 10. You're not a learning institution. This is a health code violation. And under Chapter 272, Section 71, Chapter You're making her angry. Get out. You're off on the law, Sheila. Get out! You're off on the law. Get out! Been taking Bobby 11 pills? Catherine doesn't want that right now. Even in my crazy, what does Mike think's gonna happen? I, I didn't think she was gonna, like, that her Jesus was gonna be this dude's mom stuffed head. That's. Uh, Saint, uh, Saint Catherine. Catherine. I had no idea it was gonna be heading this way. I don't think she likes being draped. <sighs> I draped her, Sheila, because I need you to look at me now. Sheila, without arguing the merits of our separate realities. Wow, they like ended that scene just to restart I represented it. to the people here that yours would not interfere with their practice. In fact, I went so far as to say, once you entered the arena of law, your sensibilities were beyond reproach. I can no longer say that, Sheila. I so no I have to fire you from this firm with which I have no power. And we're you are with, neither of us work. To from a job that you don't really have. Do I not win my cases? All of them? Even this one? 
I got a good result for my client who is very pleased. I spoke to your doctor. On whose authority? And he thinks your situation has been exacerbated by trauma. He strongly believes you need to be on medication. That doesn't work for me. Sheila. That does not work for me. Then you need to leave. You can't work here. I feel like I just settled in. You are a dear friend, and I love you. But unless you get treatment... Please, just give it a week. You watch. Catherine will bless all of us. I promise you. Let me you call need you to leave her. Then I'll go. Sheila. You're not taking the head, I'm Sheila. I'm going, Ellen. She's going to try to take the head key. Oh! What a Be good seated. Mm. You're getting ahead of the story. Mmm, nice one. Uh, Let me call you a taxi, Dermot. I have studied Rule 1.6, and it does indeed <laughs> allow for lawyers to violate privilege to prevent the wrongful incarceration of another. No lawyer has ever done this before, but the rule is there, which I suspect saved Mr. Shore from disbarment. To use the disclosed information in a subsequent trial, however, I agree with Mr. Pine. There's no authority for that. I also agree the Sixth Amendment would be meaningless if we let lawyers give evidence against their clients. Mr. Shore's statement is quashed, as is that of Mr. Stanfield's daughter, which constitutes poisonous fruits. The question becomes, do we then just retry Mr. Stanfield with the old evidence? That seems to make sense. Problem is, overturning double jeopardy here would still rely on giving Mr. Shore's disclosure legal teeth. And due process just won't allow me to do that. I'm holding that double jeopardy therefore attaches to the first mistrial. As a matter of law, Mr. Stanfield cannot be tried twice for the same crimes. He is therefore free to go. Yikes. So that's the, that's always the trouble. You know, I, I, I maybe it was on the podcast, Keith, that we we discovered this, or it might have been one of the numerous crime documentaries, but apparently that's why often you'll see them not go after capital murder and go on a lesser murder charge because you can always, because if my understanding is if you do double jeopardy or if you do capital murder, you can then no longer subsequently go after them for any sub-crime, like a lesser crime, right? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I, I don't think, well, maybe we did talk about that. I don't know. I'm old. But uh, that is interesting. Eleanor. I'm not going to make a scene. You won. Congratulations. This is the final chapter, Brad. Story over. You and I are not in each other's lives. No oh, hard feelings, Ellen. the kid. If you can't take my yeah. hand, Eleanor, how can I trust that we resolved like our back differences? back with him now? I guess it would be under these situations because if he's been... If I should be sued civilly, 
I will, of course, expect you not to give testimony against me. That would open up another chapter. All right, Brad. Miss Fred, can we get a chance? Obviously, I'm gratified. We have a judicial system that values the Constitution as intended by our founding fathers. It's rewarding to see the court prioritize those principles over the, the lawlessness of one aberrant attorney. And it'll be good to see him get his comeuppance. I don't think I can survive in this place. You shouldn't have We're gonna try to get you the fastest trial date possible. Before Christmas? I need to be with my kids for Christmas. Can they get me bail for Christmas? For my kids' sake. Keith, 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 Keith. Keith. Keith, this just in, this guy is going to be dead before the episode's over. They have no mother. Oh, okay. Well, that appeal usually doesn't work for the defendant who killed the mother. That's a cool shot. The scratches on the glass. Yeah. Am I ever going to get out? Of what we propose is to argue like insanity, and we think we can that. make a strong case there. Tell me you'll get me out. I need to know I'll get out. Roland... We're going to get you out. What? Paralegal? Keith, can I just call her promise? paralegal for the rest of the run of the series? I think she'd probably appreciate a name. Alright. We promise. Laura? Tara. Laura Croft. Yeah, yeah, you understand, yeah. if you violate probation, we can go back and impose time. Yes, sir. You're getting an enormous break here, Mr. Forsterling. For this matter to be sealed, you're very fortunate. This is a special favor. I appreciate that, Your Honor. Why do you clean toilets and then if that's I may ask? I don't think that's relevant, Your Honor. It's relevant to me. It was for personal reasons. Personal reasons. It's a bit different from your antitrust clients, huh, Mr. Shore? Why are you being a dick? Trying to get the McCarty started. Party? Can you look at me, sir? Smith. It won't get out. I appreciate your help. Certainly, I expect to pay you for your services. Mr. Fosterling, I have a book. It's a case study, Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Behavioral Anomalies. And there's a case in here that talks about a person being sexually stimulated by men's rooms. It's included in a section paraphilia not otherwise specified. I offer you this because I detect a fair amount of self-loathing and I don't think you're sick, Mr. Fosterling. I think you're peculiar. But 
a lot of us are quite peculiar. And maybe with a little help, you could find a way to continue to enjoy yourself. That doesn't make you hate yourself. I give you the book, and I wish you well. See, now that really makes me like Alan. Thank you. Episode is Yankee. Oh no, no, it's not. <laughs> That's almost over. The episode's old, Mike. Not just this jurisdiction or First Circuit. I want to see every insanity case in the country where jealousy was the motivating factor. Tara, I want you to focus on the legal research. Jamie, you start lining up doctors. I want to move fast on this because I don't think Roland's going to hold up well in jail. Jamie, for fun, I want you to go through the incident reports, forensics. Give me an opinion as to whether we got any shot on the elements. No sense in going insanity if we don't have to. We all clear? Good. I have a couple of sites I can give you, get you started. Thanks. Uh, Jamie? Sorry, uh, from... It's been one of those weeks. I get it. Listen, if you need to talk, try Eleanor. <laughs> Such a weird beat. They took it, they just marched in here and seized it. Can you believe it? Well, you don't actually need the head of St. Catherine, do you? It's her spirit that matters most. You really think I'm nuts, don't you? You've had your moments. Sometimes I envy the world you live in. You're so sweet. Sometimes I think you and I would make for great lovers. You're not getting out of my life now, Sheila. Only this office. You and I will still... I'm always here for you. Kissing. Well, no, she's kissing him. That's true. They That's made true. That, they That's made fair. that clear. Well. Yes, I better go. Say goodbye to the group. She's not getting help. Did she agree to get help, though? Didn't really address that. Basically, she said no. Although, she does have a doctor. She stole the head. Something. There's something else. Maybe not. Don't everybody look so sad. I'll be... 
guest starring on a bunch of episodes when Thank I'm, playing, I'm on the other so side of the courtroom. Thank you so much. You've all been incredibly generous with me, and Tara, I love trying our case together. Eugene, you're a good boss. Jimmy, hang in there with your nun case, okay? Though the church can dismiss her under canon law, the fact is they often don't dismiss priests for having sex. Which means, in truth, they're probably firing her for being pregnant, which is a direct violation of Title VII, Klein versus Catholic Diocese of Toledo. Thanks. Anyway, you are all such kind and charitable people. I and though I haven't crow. known you long, I'll miss you most of all. I will miss you. We'll stay in touch, right? Show. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing David Spader playing a completely different character from the first three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> David Spader, after notes from the network. We gotta at least put in one weird scene. How about some porn on Tara's laptop? He was researching okay. the the guy's DSM diagnosis. And that's it. That okay. was an episode of The Practice. Now it's, uh, you know, it's it's time for us to, uh, you know, do the thing that we do at the end of every episode of The Practice. And that is have Mike recap. I'm curious how Mike is going to recap this in a segment we call. Mm, two, three, four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 Hey, guys, guess what? They just retconned the Chris O'Donnell thing. Now he's actually can't be tried again, so he's out, and he's, like, menacing. And is he done with Eleanor? We don't know. Also, there's a nun that's pregnant, but that's for another time. Also, this guy stuffs his head, but he gets out, but it does show us that Sheila's uh, not happy at work. And guess what? Alan Shore's, like, a really sympathetic, nice, empathetic guy, and he, like, helps this masturbating toilet guy find maybe some help, and he's got a lot of compassion. The end. <laughs> Yes, uh, that I feel like that's fair. Uh, now give us a give us a scintillating uh, seventeen syllables, please. I'd be glad to, Keith, and it goes to something like this. <laughs> Sheila's wait, lost. Wait, 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 wait. I'd be glad to, Keith. No. Don't you do that. No, no, no. And then, but uh, what was the next thing you said? Sheila's lost her head. Oh, you you had it. You almost Robin will you. stay a free man? Alan's maybe great? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh... Go back and listen, folks. He did a perfect haiku. If his <coughs> were exactly five, he did a absolute perfect haiku setting up the haiku. If only Very we had impressive. listeners who would actually do what you asked them to. Jorge, we await your email. <laughs> the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present.
Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie. They're a fake awards show that we've now done 160-something times. Hold You know, how many times have we done the oopsies? Not 100. Yes. This is the 160th episode of the Out of Practice podcast. Wow. I, I was joking, but there it is. Uh, anyway, it always begins. It's a lot of fake with- hardware. Yeah. Well, listen, I think number one, I was going to give it to Helen on Helen, Sheila on her way out because she got her client uh, absolved of the situation and they settled and all that good stuff. And she's clearly excellent in the courtroom. But truth be told, I, I, I don't know that that's the best outcome for the client because he's clearly disturbed. Whereas Alan. Uh, reaches a good outcome. In that what his client was most concerned with was being outed, and he was able to stay anonymous at the end of at the conclusion of his case. In addition to that, Alan took the step further and actually p- p- potentially set him on a path to dealing with some of his emotional uh, shame. baggage, sh- shame, yeah. challenges, however you want to phrase it. So I think with a combination of Good, good, good outcome in the courtroom. Good outcome potentially in his personal life. I think Alan Shore uh, gets this win, and his first best lawyer. I think it is. It is indeed. Last week it was Steve because of his big old dick. So uh, fair. I mean, there it earned, is. earned. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I think it's Alan. I mean, and I'll I'll talk about it in the in the tires. But like, this was a really good episode for the character of Alan Shore. And uh, he did some really good lawyering, um, listened to his client, and helped his client in the very best way that he could, and showed a great deal of compassion. So uh, congratulations, Alan Shore, with your MVL. Coming up next. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. <laughs> way to go! You're the best. Guest actor, you are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Keith, Sharon Stone has been with us for four episodes. Has she won best guest actor yet? She has not. Hmm. She has not won best guest actor. Okay, now she chews up all the scenery in this episode, and every time she's normal, Sheila. She kills it. She kills it in the courtroom, and she's like naming naming off those laws, and just like lawyering and lawyering and skipping it. And, 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 and Peterson versus Case Law two five four seven. Wow, good, that is some, all, Mike is all, lawyering so hard over here. All good stu- head stuffers go to heaven. Um, I, I love it. It's the other stuff that I'm like, hell no, this has lost me. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a sh- kind of ashamed to say, Keith, that we had such a such a powerhouse in Sharon Stone, and I'm I've never awarded her an award because I'd no. like to give this to Purple Face. 
Wow. Purple face. A.K.A. Alex Carter. Pur- I'm writing it down as purple face. I mean, they did decide to make him look like Grimace from McDonald's. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'd go for some McDonald's right now. Yeah, it does sound good. Because I thought, what a great... I mean, even from the beginning, he could have played it just very deviant, but from the beginning, you could sense behind the sort of salacious plot line, he, there, was, there was some true depth to what was going on here. And, and even though they kind of waited till the back half of the episode to explore it, and they used it more as a beat for Alan... This this actor really portrayed it and and gave it gravitas and weight and I don't think that a lesser actor would have have allowed the storyline to be as three dimensional as it became and for that very reason I'd like to give it uh, give him the award. Purple face. Purple face. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because I do think that Sharon Stone performed what she was given as intended oh totally yes and performed it and performed it very well it's it's tough you know it it's sometimes unfair to knock or at least not give an award to an actor because you don't like the writing of their character um but i think i'm with you i'm giving it to grimace Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) oh god we're terrible no, no. Seriously, up. Alex Carter uh, did a very good job, and uh, you know, elicited compassion from both uh, Alan Shore and the viewing audience. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there you go. Congratulations, Gr- Purple Face Grimace Alex Carter with your best guest actor. Now it's time for you killed your podiatrist or blew the case. Let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Guys, uh, it took me a few weeks, but Choo-choo, chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga Mike loves Alan Shore Even as portrayed by Spader Um, If you'll excuse the... the <laughs> The strained rhyme. I'd like to go. Wait, full was that a rhyme you were trying? Were Were you trying to rhyme shore with spader? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Surely you're kidding. I thought he brought it home this week. Just a excellent. I mean, it's not ice in a vacuum. Great performance by Spader this week. I thought. Those um, the empathy beats, not just for his client, but for Sheila, his friend, for just finding the kindness in his speech, in his eyes. If you listen to his the way he, the volume with which he speaks, the levels that he finds, uh, the confidence to basically whisper his way through a couple of scenes, really amazing. Even in the face of some just a some batshit lunacy scenes with the stuffed head and just like the juxtaposition of that like just crazy comedy beat versus what they were trying to say he was able to 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 let us know as an audience how we should feel which is like hey she's actually really sick this isn't a laughy beat even though i think they were set up for a potential catastrophe in the juxtaposition there 
by the writers, I thought the actors grounded it, which is something we used to we praise the show for all the time, right? Which is when the writers go a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, the the excellent acting can always usually ground it. Um, and that's the case here as well. So uh, I'm 100% behind uh, James Spader this week. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was going to go with Steve um, because I really liked the moments he had with a good being a good boss. I think his... Steve's... There's a severed head in my office was really, really good. Like, he mm-hmm. was able to show true incredulity without looking like a bad theater. Yeah, it was um, his I'm too old for this shit moment. Yeah. But it wasn't overdone. Uh but you know what? I think you I think you have convinced me. I think James Spader gets uh his first best actor here on the Out of Practice podcast. That's uh big doings. All right. So uh I can't believe, but it's unretired. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I want, Keith, I said it before, I'm going to just alter slightly. I want purple face Tom Brady, beheaded and above Eugene in the office. Tom Brady. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we Look, we weren't allowed to kill him last season, but this season, all bets are off. <laughs> You know, the the reason we didn't want to be continually posting pictures of a murdered Tom Brady still hold. But it's like Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat. No blood. Oh, I see. All right. So it's okay. Well, in that case, in that case, certainly not legally liable for that. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. We started we started rough. Mike thought he was gonna just go down the pits of hating it. But we've look, I, I appreciate consistency and I like this sort of new dynamic we've established in the writer's room that we're gonna like we're gonna float a case, we're gonna bring some we're gonna like bring a couple of cases up. One is gonna be for later. We're gonna have one that's kind of continuing, and we'll have some that are just weekly, and we'll sunset others. Like I the Chris O'Donnell beat this week does feel a little retconny. Like, I feel like didn't we spend all of last week covering this? And now we're gonna just like undo it. But I liked it in the fact that it it uh, I I thought amplified the tension and uh potential disaster conflict between he and Eleanor. And so I liked the way it happened in that they thought they put it to bed. They thought they escaped and also got the bad guy in jail. But then this week we find out, oh no, it didn't work. We're going into this uh, new trial without the evidence and we're going to have to, and Eleanor on top of that, the stakes are really high. So it works for me. Um, The Sheila stuff, I have thoughts about the head thing. I don't know that it, Clearly, the story we're telling here, and the fact that we're going to tell it, I think, with the intention was the empathy, seemed like we didn't need to go wacky kooky. Uh, we, she, that kind of, we could have used the events from last week to be the trigger. We didn't need this extra thing, so that was a little schlocky in my opinion. However, the bulk of what I want to talk about is the is the Alan Shore kind of a retcon, and. Usually, as you kind of joked at during the episode, you know, notes from the network or, okay, we have to course correct. 
uh, you know, happens in television. But I thought the way in which the writers room handled it this week was really clever because not only did they kind of soften the character and show us this other dimension, they didn't undo the other stuff, right? They still had the beat with uh, the the research on Tara's desk, which could be a little, is a little weird. But what I really liked, Keith, and, and correct me if maybe I'm overreading this, when he was talking to his client about the sexual shame or the or the re, the potential reasons that had that led to his sort of his uh, fetish, his fetish, his whatever. However, I don't want to I don't want to like over label it, but it seemed to be speaking from personal experience. It seemed to tr- be trying to explain where it's coming from with Alan, and that he has struggled personally with some of this stuff, and that maybe some of his behavior or outbursts is somewhat he somewhat shares some of that shame or it's coming from a, it's coming from a real place. Now, maybe we were, we're not going to tackle it overtly in the show and maybe I'm reading into it, but whatever happened, it felt like Spader or that Alan was coming from a place that, that had a history. And I like that. It, it doesn't fix the, that stuff about the character that I don't love. And it sure doesn't fix the first couple of schlocky episodes, but it allows me to kind of be on his team right now without having to completely just detach from what I've seen previously. The way he took care of his friend is really commendable in this episode. He 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 tr- he put him he put himself out there, and when that when he recognized that it was not it was it was too much, especially with the newfound respect he has for the firm, that he would have to break his promise by promising that she had her shit together. He did the best he could to pull her out. And and the way he handled his client, I felt was really was cool. So, yes, we've seen that he's willing to to bend the rules. We've seen that he can be a certain way, but they presented us a, me a really cool dynamic now that I know he's capable of this kind of compassion and good, and so I'm gonna expect it of him. So how will that progress? I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens with the Eleanor case. I'm interested to happen to see what happens with the with the Jimmy case, and I love that they teed it up at the end of the episode. Uh, that might get old, obviously, if we keep bringing up plot lines that don't happen until next week. We'll see how that that continues to fare. But all in all, I feel pretty strongly about this episode that I, that I liked it. The head thing, the head thing, uh, it does stand out. <laughs> um, all in all, could you tell me what it's I rated head last head and week? shoulders above that mm. other arc. What did mm. I rate last week? It was like a six something, right? 6.95 was last it, week. We came storming back. 7.77 with a little bar above it. That's my rating. Okay. Uh, I, I did not like this episode. Ooh, okay. Let's go. Let's talk. Um, there are elements of it that I did like. And I'll tell you, the, the, I like the same elements you did in terms of how they've adjusted Alan Shore. Um, I think this is by far the most likable he has ever been. I think there's a very interesting character in a... In a you talk about like he's, he's coming in with history here. He, he strikes me as somebody who has done a lot of work to overcome his own shame so that he no longer has it and, and helps spread the gift of not feeling so much shame. So I'm a huge, I love all of that. 
I think that's great. I, I liked what he did there. I liked that story. Uh, I liked the performance of it. So, like, yay for that. Um, But the rest of it... Uh, I, I, I just don't care. Mm. Right? There really isn't enough meat on the bone to keep swinging at the Chris O'Donnell story. Right? This just... Eh, I don't. I don't know why we're still talking about it. I'm ready to this move on. This might be the longest that. arc we've had. No, I think it's like six episodes was the last. Thing. So we're we're bordering on tying it's, it at it, least. It's it's a long arc that doesn't seem to be progressing very far. Um, you know the the peppermint twist guy. The characterization is like: is he compromised? Is he not? What's his deal? I I don't. I left that out entirely, didn't I? Yeah, it, well, that's my whole point. Mm. It's like, I don't... I, I've now watched the episode twice in like 48 hours, and I don't even really remember what happens. Because I just I just don't care. The conflict between Tara and Jamie, like, I don't know what that is. I liked Eugene being a good boss, so I appreciated that. The head thing... You know what it is? Like it, I've, I've said this before this season, but... This feels like Allie McPractice. It and does. It does. It's just not that it's... It's just not the practice. I mean, you know, it is closer to what Boston Legal is going to be. And I don't have a problem with that tone of a show. I don't have a problem with that type of a show. I like Boston Legal. It's just not the practice. And so I'm just like, eh. And, you know, the Sharon Stone character, I think it's just a misuse of Sharon Stone. Like, it's would, just yes. sort of... It's very sort of hacky and unnecessary, and um, you know. And why does why does Sharon Stone's character get the long Wizard of Oz goodbye? Right, she's not a she's not a character on the show. She's a right. guest star, but she got the long like four minute tearful goodbye that Rebecca didn't get, Lindsay didn't get, Lucy didn't get the entire cast half the cast just got deleted and never got to say goodbye and i understand some, a lot of that's practical but like don't rub it in my face by giving this character that i'm not invested in in the first place this huge long teary goodbye i just don't care so i i think honestly like the the, the i just uh, other than the progression of alan which i really liked i just didn't care I just, I don't, I don't, I just don't care. So, uh, and I believe, you know, in entertainment, you're supposed to be compelled to care in some fashion. So as a result, you get a 6.45. Now, Keith. Yeah. As you, as you allowed me to convince you about Alan Shore over, or of Spader over Steve Harris. Uh-huh. You have made me realize that... Mm -hmm. I am judge I'm awarding spare tires here based as if this was its own show, as if season eight was its own television show, this sort of hybrid. So I'm basing I'm curving it against itself and not against the practice, which is the show that we are ranking. Mm -hmm. And when you compare this show up to the pantheon of episodes, like if you were to go back and look at the seven high sevens I've given compared to this, I think that seasons one through seven, Mike, would be just aghast that I would award this seven point mm. some stars. And so 
mm, for that reason. Ooh, do we have an appeal? Yes, I'm I'm object- objecting to myself. Uh huh. And I'm downgrading wow. to a six point nine five. Wow, lost almost a tire. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? I feel very persuasive now. I feel very persuasive. Keith, how uh, sick of me are you right now? We have now been together oh podcasting for over four hours today. Oh yeah, easily. Because we, yeah, no more, yeah, almost four and a half now. Well, folks, if that's not the right button, <laughs> that's the second time you've done that today. So now you have to complete it. Uh, I press all the wrong buttons, and I press this song where I didn't do a good job, and now I continue not to do a good job, and it's never gonna be a better podcast. But at least no song, it's almost over. <laughs> and he did it again. It's almost time. He's turned from Sleepy Keith back to Sleepy Keith. He's hungry, oh sleepy, God. pretty, incompetent Keith podcast. Well, folks, if you're still here, why? <laughs> but th- thank you for watching the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us uh, why you're still listening, you can find us at Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social medias at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, do us a favor leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. You can uh, join the jury. We're going to read whatever you write and gratefully gratefully uh you know welcome you to said jury we're also grateful to our founding sponsors people who have actually given us money including jorge navoa cloud lover 69 leanne writes jennifer masanova and Tari coon if you'd like to join them you have but a couple of weeks left to uh click one of the links in the show notes leave us a one-time monthly contribution no keith because we're changing how to support us financially in the coming weeks but don't worry, you can always give us money, baby. It's always going to be there. Hey, find us on Internet KME Entertainment. We've got other shows about toys and coming up about other stuff. We're going to watch a show together. Check out our appearance today. I'll link it in the show notes. And guess what? When you make those mocks of keep and I's face to stuff and put above your mantle, make sure to fuse the seams together with good old-fashioned laser sounds. <laughs> Fuse the seams together with laser sounds. <laughs> <laughs>